All right. So uh, we're in our second week of a series called Does the Bible Really Say That? So throughout the series, we want to clear some things up, some things that maybe for those of you who aren't Christians, you've heard about Christianity. Maybe it's the things that uh, for us as Christians, you know, we've heard people say, and then we just start to believe them, even if it's not maybe what the Bible says. Um, and then, then what happens is we, when we read the Bible, we kind of read into um, the Bible our preconceived notions. So it kind of just becomes what we already think it means. And that's not the right way to, to read the Word of God. We should always allow it to you know, change our hearts and minds and transform our lives. Um, but we, you know, there's, it's a process of learning what the Bible actually says. And this series is, is just part of that process. Um, so the, this week, the question is, does the Bible really say that God wants me to be happy? Okay, good question. Does the Bible say that God wants me to be happy? Does God want me to be happy? Uh, last week, Pastor Joel started off with his message with just like a no to his question. Just cut and dry. But uh, mine this week, I think it's a little bit more um, gray. Not as black and white, not quite yes or no. Uh, because God does want us to be happy. He does, but not by the means that we normally think. You know, we think if God wants me to be happy, then blank. If God wants me to be happy, I should be rich, have the perfect spouse, have a perfect life. Everything should go easy. I'll always be healthy. That's what should happen if God loves me. And then if that's not what happens, then something's wrong. Okay, this is, uh, this is kind of the idea behind this teaching called the prosperity gospel. So before we get into the gray, like I said, it's not quite yes or no, let's eliminate some black and white of this argument. Okay, um, some of you may have heard of prosperity gospel, also sometimes called the word of faith movement. Um, it's, it's a pretty, I don't know how prominent, but it's prominent teaching in the States, and I don't know any churches in Canada that do teach it, but I'm sure it's around. Um, you know, it, it pretty much just teaches, its main teaching is kind of around the idea that God rewards increases with faith with increases of health or wealth. Like, like a guarantee, you know, if you're a good Christian or if you give more, you'll be rich and healthy. Okay, we don't, we don't teach that here. But some, some prominent churches in the States do. Um, so if you're one who explores other, other churches, like I, you know, I do sometimes, listen to other pastors, see what other churches are doing. I like that. That's fine. Um, but you just have to be careful about, you know, what kind of teaching you might be taking in and accepting as truth. You know, even there's churches with a lot of influence that maybe don't always teach, teach what's right. And sometimes that's why they have big influence. You know, who doesn't want to be told that they'll be rich and healthy if they're a good Christian? But it's not the truth. So it's not biblical. It's not what the Bible teaches. So, um, you know, not even close. Prosperity gospels, just not, not right. You know, Jesus tells his disciples, he tells his followers, which now applies to us in John uh, 16, 33. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay, so it says you will have trouble. That's the guarantee, unfortunately. You know, um, and for people that, you know, believe that the prosperity gospel is what the Bible says, then I don't really know how you can read, this, you know, about Jesus who was crucified and who we are told to follow and told, you know, he tells us pick up our cross I don't know how you can read about that and think, but my life should be easy. Okay, well, maybe Jesus 
just had a, you know, had to sacrifice his life and he had a hard life so I can have an easy life. Well then, what about the disciples and Paul and the people that spread the gospel after Jesus died? They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They spread the gospel. They shared the love of Jesus. They told people about the life of Jesus and what happened to them? Well, they were beaten, jailed, stoned to death or near death, shipwrecked, exiled. Most of them were killed. We can't read that and then go, yeah, but God wants me to have an easy life. You know, he wants me to be rich and healthy and never have anything go wrong. Okay, now this doesn't mean that uh, God never blesses people financially or gives people wealth, and it certainly doesn't mean that he never heals people and makes them healthy. But what it doesn't, but what it doesn't mean is, you know, I do what the Bible says, and then I get rich and have a perfect and easy life. So prosperity gospel, it's not right. Okay, so let's actually see what the Bible says about our happiness or our, or our joy. So, uh, like I said in the beginning, this is, you know, a little bit of a, it's not quite a yes or no, does God want me to be happy? Because does the Bible say God wants me to be happy? Well, kind of, but it doesn't say do what makes you happy. Here's, here's what it says. The Bible says, rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, do your acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Romans 12.8. Serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm 102. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37.4. Be glad in the Lord. Psalm 32.11. Rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 3.1. So the Bible says that God wants us to be happy. Yeah. It tells us to rejoice. It tells us to be glad and delight. But what is, in the, what is the rest of that verse? In the Lord or in God. You know, so God wants us to be happy, but only if our joy is found in him or in what is good. Okay, we're going to talk about um, finding joy a little later, but let's kind of keep talking about where this mix-up is in the idea that God wants me to be happy. What do, we, what do we get wrong when we think this? Okay, we often think God is loving God. That's true. We think, uh, you know, the Bible talks about joy in, uh, a lot. Okay, that's true. So what it becomes is God wants me to be happy, therefore that is his first priority in life for me. Okay, that's the problem. Because thinking God wants me to be happy and thinking my happiness is God's top priority in my life are two very different things. But that's what we get wrong. You know, your happiness is not God's top priority. He cares too much about you to be like that. Your happiness is not God's top priority. You are. Okay, so here's how it makes sense. God is a good father, right? So for those of you who have kids, you can imagine this. And for those of you who don't, like me, just, just pretend. Let's say you have, you have a son, okay? He is about uh, 12. Uh, you're at his hockey game. It's the playoffs. It's overtime. Um, he gets a breakaway and scores this amazing game-winner goal. Woo! Right? Yeah. Um, that's how people cheer. Uh, okay, you are happy because why? Because why? Because he is happy. You don't, act, you don't care that the team won. You don't care about some 12-year-old kid's team. Unless he you know, plays for the Oilers, then you care that the team won. But you care, you're happy because he is happy. He has this moment of joy, this excitement, um, this moment that you know, he feels like he did something awesome. Okay, cool. That's awesome. You can be happy for him in that moment, and you are. But at the end of the day, your kid's happiness is not your 
highest aim in their life, right? What happens if after he scores that goal, okay, you're happy because he's happy, he's happy, and then he skates past the bench, uh, past the opponent's bench, and then gives everyone the middle finger and starts swearing at them. Whoa, that's a, whoa. Okay, now what happens? Okay, your mind is now changed from I'm happy because my son is happy to okay, there's got to be some punishment coming. That's going to make him pretty unhappy, all right? Because more important than his momentary happiness is that he learns manners and respect and sportsmanship. And as a parent, you care about your child's happiness, but not as much as you care that they grow up to be a good person, a loving person, a follower of Jesus. And it's the same with us and God. God is a good father. He likes to see his sons and daughters happy and full of joy, uh, but it isn't what he cares about the most. He cares more about you being shaped into a committed, loving follower of Jesus. Okay, so then my happiness is not God's top priority. Is it okay for it to be my top priority? Well, no. You know, as a follower of Jesus, we should always try to line up our priorities with God's. God wants what's best for us, and it is better for us to live a life following what God wants instead of what we think is best. Okay, but even outside Christianity, what makes you happy in the moment is not a good indicator of what is actually right and wrong. It's not a good indicator of what's best for us. But a a lot of us live our lives based on if it makes you happy, then it's right. If it makes you unhappy, then it must be wrong. Okay, we hear this all the time. Just do what makes you happy. You do you. That's the answer to life. But that's not what's best for us. Christian or non-Christian, I think it's, it's crazy that we just give this blanket statement of do whatever makes you happy to the world. Um, because, let's be honest, there's some, there's some people where what would make them happy are some, some really messed up things. You shouldn't just be throwing that out. Okay, okay, most of us aren't psychopaths or uh, crazy serial killers, hopefully, t- statistically, I don't think, any of us here. That's good. Um, okay, so most of us aren't like that, but even the same, we're all still broken and sinful people. What we think will make us happy, it might not make us happy. And it's probably not what's best. It's probably not what's right. You know, I'm, I'm not great at, uh, I'm not the best at being healthy. <laughs> I'm trying a little bit, slow growth there. But, you know, what would make me happy is to have a day um, laying on the couch, watching TV shows, YouTube, and just eating like all the candy and junk food I can. Like anything Maynard's candy, top tier. And plus like Dorito sweet chili heat, best chip ever, hands down. That, okay, eating that and then just like being lazy, that'd be a great day for me. Okay, but I don't think anyone would say that that is what's best for me or that's the right decision for my life because it's clearly not. Maybe you can get away with a, with a little bit of snack food, a little bit of lazy days here and there, but that habit is not actually good for me. And we can't use our ideas of what would make us happy in the moment to actually judge right and wrong. Okay, it's not going to work. And then another reason why we shouldn't have our happiness as a first priority is because it's inherently selfish. And selfishness actually doesn't lead to happiness. Okay, it will actually just lead to disappointment and dissatisfaction with, with your life. Because we live in a broken world, No one's perfect. No one thing is going to make you happy forever. Eventually, everything or everyone will let you down. And if if you 
only judge things or people by how happy they make you. Everything will be brought down in value because it will eventually let you down and it will eventually lead you dissatisfied and unhappy. Maybe, maybe if you're rich enough, you can have enough stuff and go on every vacation possible, have every experience possible, and maybe you can numb yourself into a, a happy life, but there's something deeper going on that chasing happiness will just not fill. Because either way, we, always, we either are, end up disappointed or we just always want more and we're going to that next th- best thing. And we're trying to chase happiness. Okay, so we shouldn't let our happiness dictate our actions. We, it shouldn't be our first priority. But you know what? It's still okay to want to be happy. We want to be happy. We want to have a life of joy. And the Bible talks about that. Okay, so I found that the Bible you know, talks a lot more about joy than it does happiness. And in a sense, those are synonyms. You could use them interchangeably. But in a deeper way, I think, I think they are different. And when I was, I was writing about the difference between, you know, for the sermon, joy and happiness, and, and I stopped, I was like, okay, wait, I should actually just Google this. See if, I, if I'm the only one who has this idea or if that's actually around. Um, and, and it is. If you, if you Google joy versus happiness, you'll find a mix of Christian and non-Christian websites that talk about this. And obviously the Christian ones include Jesus, but even then they kind of say the same thing about joy versus happiness. It's, there's a difference. It's like, you know, they both kind of say happiness is great, but it's fleeting. It's momentary. And sometimes it's superficial because it just tends to be externally triggered by, you know, the, the people around us, the things, the places, the events. It just sort of, things need to line up for us to be happy. But joy is more consistent and is cultivated internally. It's not just an external expression. It's an in internal, you know, state of your heart and mind. It's it's, it's this deep sense of peace with with who you are and where you are at life. And our culture will tell you, you know, do what makes you happy, but I don't think our culture actually has a grasp on how to have a life full of joy. And that sounds like a judgy thing to say for, like, everyone, but it's not, because even a lot of Christians, maybe most Christians, don't have an idea of how to have a life full of joy. It's just not in our worldview. Like, you know, how often do you hear people talking about living a joyful life or being satisfied in life or, like, being purpose-driven in life? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I ever hear people talking about that. But how often do you hear people talking about their happiness and what would make them happy? Like, all the time. Like, all the time, right? And even though no one talks about joy, I think we know the difference. I think we feel the difference. Like, if I say someone is joyful and full of joy, it's like, oh, okay, that's different. That person is like, crack the code on life. That person is satisfied in life. That person is truly happy. They're joyful. Now, a life of joy doesn't mean comfort. It doesn't mean an easy life. It doesn't mean that you can't be sad and angry. You still have all your emotions. But it just means that you are so satisfied in who God is, and the life that he gave you, that you can be joyful and content in every circumstance of life. And no matter what, you still have that joy. And it helps you get through the hard times, and it helps you even more enjoy the good times. 
People, people chase happiness, okay, but joy is something you learn. It's a practice. It is something to grow in. You know, you can't always be happy, but you can choose joy, and you can choose to grow in joy. So then, how do we do this? How do we grow in joy? Okay, let's look to the Bible. Galatians 5, to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay, so there's no quick fix to joy. Our culture tries to sell you quick fixes all the time. Like, that's what commercials are. They're just trying to tap into something that they know you want, like a, a slowed-down life, an easier life, a more joyful life. And they'll tap into that and just say, like, oh, just buy this and that will help. Buy this and that will make your life whatever you want. Okay, and it doesn't work. Things don't make you joyful. They can make you happy for a moment. Sure, stuff's nice, but it won't lead to joy. And, and people will try to, you know, give you quick fixes. It's like, you, you do you. Do what makes you happy. That's, that's our quick fix to joy. And it doesn't work. Nothing really worth doing it comes easy, you know. There's no quick fix to joy. But we can get there. We can learn it. If you want to move from, from moments of happiness to a life of joy, that comes from the fruit of the Spirit that comes from a growing relationship with Jesus and a constant effort to find joy in him. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit just means like, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit is working in you. This is what happens from a relationship with Jesus. These things should be growing in your life. So a side note for us, uh, for anyone here, or most people here, whoever, are Christ followers, this is a good place to, every once in a while, make it a habit to like stop and think about this verse and go through, okay, am I growing in these things? The verse says, this should, this should come from a relationship with Jesus. Okay, am I growing in these things? Am I plateaued? Am I going backwards? We should stop and ask ourselves, okay, where am I at? Evaluate your life, evaluate your relationship with Jesus, and then make changes. There's always stuff to grow in. But this is a good verse just to keep in mind, a good verse to go back to. Okay, Back to joy being a fruit of the Spirit. Here the Bible says joy is an outcome of relationship with Jesus. And in other places the Bible tells us, you know, rejoice in the Lord, be glad in the Lord. So God actually commands us to be joyful, which is super weird. It's like, how do you command joy and happiness? It's just like maybe when your kids are crying, you're like, stop crying, put on a, put on a smile. Like, okay, that's not, that's not what God's doing. Um, I, I think it's a commandment because it's something we need to be reminded of. This doesn't just happen naturally. It's something we need to be reminded of, that our lives should be full of joy. Our lives should be marked by joy. The Bible is saying, that these things, is, is saying these things to remind us of that. It is something that we can work on to grow in, like the other fruit of the Spirit. We want to be growing in these things. You know, it's a commandment because God wants us to be happy and joyful, but it doesn't just happen. We need to learn how to be joyful, how to find joy in the Lord, as the Bible says. People might say that God would rather have you holy than happy, or that obedience is more important, and, and yes, but God doesn't want you to be holy and sad. He doesn't want a world, world full of Christians who might be good people and they don't sin, but they're just sad all the time. They bring people down. It's like, how is that a light to our community, you know? Who's going to want to follow Jesus if all Christians are just miserable or sad or angry all the time? 
That's not what Jesus was like. That's not what we're supposed to be like. People wanted to be with Jesus. He had, he had all kinds of people wanting to meet with him because he was full of joy and he was full of love and kindness. And that's what we should be. Our lives should actually be different than the outside, you know, than, than the world around us. It should be attractive to the world around us. Like, what do they have that we're missing? And I think joy is one of those, something that's needed for people. Okay, so then the question becomes, how do we find joy? How do we grow in joy? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some things uh, that are, you know, that I thought would be good things to start working on to grow in joy. I'm going to say a few things, and, but if you can just start with like one, like, oh, okay, I can start with that. I can, I can grow in that. Just start in one. There's always so many things that we could be doing better, but if we're growing at all, that is what is important. Okay, so how do we grow in joy? Most importantly, like the Bible said in Galatians, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It starts with a strong relationship with Jesus. All good things come from him. And the greatest joy comes from Jesus. So never stop growing in this relationship. Never stop putting in the effort to read God's word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in Jesus. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you are like him. The more you have peace in this world, the more you will be grateful for the things in your life, the, the more, you know, you'll be joyful. All these things that will help us grow in joy. Okay, another thing for growing in joy is going to be contentment. Contentment is key. If you can be content with a little, you can stop wanting, and you can live a life happy with whatever God gives you. And that can be hard in our Western society where everyone is buying more and more and everyone has these amazing lives according to their social media, right? That can be hard. But it's been hard forever. Even in, let's read, uh, you know, Philippians 4. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, you've probably heard that verse uh, a lot if you've been around the church for a while. People love to quote it, whether they are, you know, going through a hard time, training to run a marathon, starting a business, or learning how to eat 40 hot dogs in less than a minute, people will quote this verse. And, you know, it's okay, it's okay to, to take this verse and to be encouraged by it in various parts of life, as long as we're not applying it to the wrong things, you know. Um, but that's okay. But let's look at the two verses before this verse to see what Paul was actually, what he was talking about. Why did he need the strength from Jesus? So verse 11, he's saying, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So even back then, contentment was hard. Paul is saying he needed the strength from God to be content. The strength from God to, to take our eyes off of the things that are around us and set our eyes on things above. You know, if you're always comparing your life with others, you'll never be content because all you'll want to do is keep up with people or buy more stuff or work harder to get more money. You know, you'll never be content because you'll always want more, which again leads to a life of dissatisfaction and a life that steals your joy. So we need to be asking Jesus for this help to be content with less. Read this verse and pray this verse into your own life. And practically, we can 
start buying less, giving more away, finding enjoyment in small things or um, things that are free. Like it's okay to have stuff you like, but you might find more joy in living with less. And we certainly should cut down on the excess that our culture is prone to, especially when a lot of that excess and you know, cheap items from third world countries are oppressing people. We should cut down on this excess and go against that. Contentment is, is going to be so helpful in growing in joy. And like I said, joy doesn't just happen. You need to practically make it a part of your life. So we can practically practice joy. Fill your life with joy-giving and life-giving practices that bring you rest and joy, you know, things that draw you closer to God, things that draw you closer to the people you love. Um, there's so many things that you can start that just, okay, this brings me rest. This I'm passionate about, so I'm going to do this. We need to put those things into practice and not just let life kind of take us through. Our, you know, our next series is going to be about unhurrying your life, and I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, so we'll touch on this in that series a little bit, but I'm just going to you know, quick thing, many of us and really just our culture has a busyness problem. And so we barely have enough time to stop and think about our lives, let alone prioritize the things that are actually important, the things that are going to bring us joy. So we need to be slowing down our lives at all costs. A, a busy life is just not the way of Jesus. And then we can fill our lives with the things that matter and take out or minimize the things that steal your joy, that are not life-giving. Okay, and, and still on this point, you know, to fill your life with, with practices uh, that bring you joy, you need to eliminate practices that steal your joy. Okay, and these are, these are generally sins. Because sin will always promise you happiness, but it'll steal your joy. Joy comes from being... Having a close relationship with Jesus and sin will just bring you further away from that relationship, further away from Jesus' plan for you, further away from true joy. And, you know, we, we, we do these things because we want to feel happy. We want a moment of, of pleasure. And it's why people, you know, whatever, watch porn, get drunk, get high, have sex outside of marriage or before, or get a divorce or just focus their lives on, on being rich because we want happiness. But all this stuff never satisfies. All this stuff underdelivers, And none of this stuff leads to joy. But it's all, all this stuff is the opposite of what Jesus wants for you. All this stuff will have moments when it feels good, glimpses of happiness, but will ultimately lead to nothing. And a life of dissatisfaction and just chasing the next high or whatever it is. If you want to find joy, you need to Rid your life of these sins that are just empty promises of joy. And again, no, there's no quick fix. We're all broken people being slowly made holy. Slowly being recreated into the image of Jesus. No quick fix, no easy solution, but it takes time. It takes hard work. It takes time with God and awkward conversations with other people and lots of failure, but that's the way forward. That's okay. So I just want to encourage you to find people in your life or in this church where you can confess your sins and, you know, grow together and have accountability. If you have a spouse, be completely honest with them, of course. Um, but also we're made to have community 
outside of just our families. So have friends that you are honest with. Have uh, a mentor who is more mature in their Christian walk than you. Um, join a small group. Or, or ideally, all of the above. And, you know, we love small groups here at Eagle Mont. We, we always we push them because it's not just a nice little cute Bible study. It is a community where you can be honest with people, where you can grow together, and where you can build relationships that last and have people around you that challenge you and help you grow and keep you accountable for not only, you know, the, your wrongdoings, but also keeping you accountable for, for the good things in your life, for spending time with your family, spending time with God, all these things that will bring you joy. All of that. Community and accountability cannot be underemphasized when it comes to being a Christ follower. Your, your walk with Jesus and your walk with others, they, they go hand in hand. You can't do this alone. Okay, that's kind of a big tangent, but I, just, I didn't want to just say, stop sinning, right? Because that makes it sound trite, and, and it's not. It's, it's a lifelong effort. And, and again, the thing is that sin will promise you happiness but steal your joy. Don't trust it for lead, you know, giving you a happy life. It won't. If, if you want to find joy, you need to draw closer to Jesus and with his help to fight the sin in your life and strive to do what's good. This is why Jesus came to earth to die on a cross to take the punishment for our sins and then come back to life to then defeat sin and death and give us new life. So whatever the sin is in your life, Jesus will forgive it. Ask Jesus for that forgiveness. Ask Jesus to to change your heart so that you can turn away from the sin and towards him. And then walk through that with other people, with community. So I'm going to pray for us that we would all grow in joy, that we would experience God's joy today. But I'm also going to pray for the people that um, are either watching online or are here that might want to accept Jesus today and start that relationship. Um, so if you just want to pray with me, you can say the words that I'm going to pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Jesus, we thank you that you died on a cross for us and came back to life and are offering that new life to us. We confess our sins and we ask that you forgive us and we pray that you will help us have a new relationship with you and follow you every day of our lives. And Jesus, we just ask that you help us grow in joy. Right now, may you start that process in us. May we feel the joy that comes from the Lord. God, I just pray that you help us put into practice, you know, growing in joy. Jesus, help us with that every day to be focused on you and focused on being full of joy like you. I just pray that we receive that right now. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done, and uh, we thank you for who you are. Amen. Amen. Now, just to, just to wrap up, quickly go over those points. Again, if you can start with one of these things, that'd be awesome. To cultivate joy, you, you want to learn contentment, okay? And you want to slow down your life and practice habits that bring you joy. You can also actively fight sin in your life, in your life and grow in a relationship with Jesus and let joy be a fruit of that work. So ultimately, to answer the question, does, does God want me to be happy? God actually just wants so much more for you than for you to be happy. 
He wants you to be filled with joy. Thank you, church.